is ridiculous. I, I, ooh, oh Lord. NBA Straya, how are you going? Hey, you going? That's right, it is NBA Straya. It's Monday, May 16. It's gonna be May. Uh, and I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes. For whom Stephen wants to pay me that sweet, sweet folding stuff. Here in Larry Armour Studios, it's wet, it's miserable, it's very Melbourne today. And I'm here hanging out, giving you the lowdown, all the ins and outs of the NBA while repping Straya a bit. And I'll tell you what. Our conference finals are set after a couple of massive Game 7s today that ended in blowouts. What a world. Anyway, so last year's finalists are out. We've gotten bye-bye Grizz. The Warriors are back. We've got Luke and Magic. The Celtics roll. The Bucks go bye-byes. We've got all that in the weekend, winners and losers. We've got NBA Australia game wraps. I'm excited. There's That's Not a Knife. Oh, mate, no, mate. It's better than I. Better than Lonzo Ball. There's Dickhead of the Weekend. I'm Big Kev. I'm very excited. Yeah, Nas. The unpopular opinion of the day. Outback Take Us. We were serving up. A flame grill take. And because the Dallas Mavericks have made the conference finals, we've still got an Aussie. I love it. So we've got Australian Player Watch. Uh, we've got a Gazy, Andrew Gaze, Great Mumber Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence. And uh, with no games tomorrow, we're going to do a very quick... Uh, what is it? The NBA Australia quick blush first pick preview uh, for Wednesday and Thursday's games ones in the series before we do the proper conference finals preview or picks tomorrow. So should be good. It better be. We're going to finish up with the daily review. So let's get into it. 816. That's right. 816 episode 816 of NBA Australia. Let's bloody well go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the Shaq attack! Oh, you better. Oh, the Kenny attack if you're Shaq. I enjoy that uh, Kenny still managed to beat Shaq to the board despite Shaq laying in front of the board today. Anyway, (laughs) inside the NBA, you never, never, ever fails to disappoint. Right, let's get into it. Let's start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Show with the Daily Whip Around. Steve Kerr is ready and raring to go and to coach his team. Remember? Because he was in the COVID protocols. So, pretty neat that he's out. He's back. It's kind of cool. And also, Mike Brown gets to go, uh, you know, be the Sacramento coach <laughs> as he coaches out the rest of the season. Uh, and Gary Payton II, unlikely to play in the Western Conference Finals. It came out. He spoke to the media for the first time after... Uh, hurting his elbow in that shithead Dylan Brooks move. And uh, GP2 was like the mitten. He was like, oh, yeah, look, I spoke to Dylan. I understand where he's coming from. He didn't mean to hurt me. It was just to be rough, whatever. We're all good. It's like, oh, isn't that cute? It's kind of nice. Right. And I'll tell you what, that's a lot of the news for the weekend. There's not a giant else amount else going on because we had an absolute crap ton of basketball on the weekend. Because we got two Game 7s today, we had an amazing, amazing Warriors-Golden State game that uh, got a bit wonky there at the end. But either way, let's get into it with 
The Game Raps. Game Raps, 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 so let's fang through Saturday's games. We've got Boston. They beat Milwaukee in game six. This was the tatum Giannis game. It was amazing. Boston went at 108-95. And uh, incredible game by the Celtics. I don't know like, if you were watching this on Saturday morning, but uh, Tatum going absolutely fucking ham in the fourth quarter, but across the entire game as well. While Giannis was doing it, awesome game. Um Tatum was just, he ripped off like 11 straight by himself in the fourth quarter to keep them up because like the Bucks would keep getting it down. Uh, I think they reduced it what, from 14 down to four and the Celtics just would manage to always then string together two to three buckets and that's so fucking crucial in a game six, obviously. Their three-point shooting was on. The Bucks was not. Off we go. The turnovers for the Bucks at horrible times. Tell you what, that reared its ugly head in game seven as well. But the way the Celtics went into Milwaukee... And Jason Tatum just put up a performance for the ages. It was absolutely incredible. While Giannis had a 44-20-6 game. Unreal. So the problem for the Bucs was they went 7-29 from downtown. Drew Holiday goes 7-17. of 17. He had 17 points. Same thing he kind of did today. He had 21 shots. He had 21 points today. It's kind of cool to have Drew Holiday as your uh, third all-star star dude in your big three. It just gets that much tougher if he's number two. Either way. Uh, the Celtics, meanwhile... In game six, went 17-43 from downtown. Again, it's a bit of a recurring theme. I'll get to that in a second when we talk about game seven. But Tatum, just an absolute pantheon game, this one was. Uh, It'll probably get lost because it was a game six, but it was absolutely fucking amazing. Staring elimination in the eyes, going into Milwaukee, and dropping a 46-9-4 against Giannis was absolutely incredible. But the thing was, like, Smart hit five threes, Brown hit four threes, Derek White was handy. Celtics tied the series up and really sort of didn't look like to be uh, in too much trouble for a lot of this down the stretch until they were. And then just their defense, the way you can just run a team ragged. And Milwaukee, like these last two games was just, it was such a uh, easy, easy, easy example of how much they miss Chris Middleton that it's just, it's almost redundant to say it. You're like, yeah, no shit, they miss Chris Middleton. All-star, gold medal winner, incredible player. Yeah. But it was like hilarious just how glaring it was in 6 and 7, wasn't it? So either way, and then the second game on Saturday was Memphis Golden State. What a game this was. 96-110, the Warriors win it. That sort of speaks to a bit of a, uh, juice Jimmy, was that a beatdown? No. No, it wasn't. Memphis were Memphis had the fucking lead. With six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It was incredible. So early on in this one, Dylan Brooks couldn't buy a bucket. But then, in classic Dylan Brooks uh, fashion, got hot. Which also then fucked him because he just kept shooting. (laughs) He's like, I was hot for those two minutes. I'm going to keep shooting all game. It's like, Dylan, just don't, mate. Ah, he's just got and done it. Uh, But the big thing for the Warriors was the rebounding. They had 70 rebounds in this game. It's the first team to do that in, uh, what, 40 years? I think it was 40 years. Yeah, it was San Antonio against Denver in 1983. Jesus, not 40 yet, but goddamn, it's a long time. Anyway, they had 12 offensive rebounds in the first half, uh, but they also turned it over 12 times, which is a big thing. And the Warriors, literally, as soon as they went, right, 
Let's stop turning the ball over so much. They play them to a standstill in the third quarter. Steph hits a couple of threes right at the end of the uh, third quarter. They've got a one-point lead, 78-77 going to the fourth quarter. You're like, holy shit. Memphis are right there. Here we go. Grizz stuck with them. They got the lead, 89-87, seven minutes to go after Desmond Bain hits a triple. And then Steph Curry just goes, all right, fuck is. The Warriors rip off a 10-zip run out of fucking nowhere. Curry drops a three with like five and a bit minutes to go. There's a uh, incredible, incredible... It was like a bounce pass from uh, Draymond Green. I think they got Curry that three. It was awesome. Then Kevon Looney, when he's not getting these sick rebounds, throws an oop to get Draymond. And there's a 10-zip run right then and there where you're like, what just happened? Holy shit, the Warriors just took the lead. And then... It wasn't, that was like, that was like the amuse-bouche. Just the, uh, the palate cleanser for the classic Warriors run. Because then it was the classic run over the top of them, Warriors. Because Steph hits a three, Clay hits a three, Steph hits another fucking three. They take a seven-point game with four minutes to go, and then boom. It's a 16-point game, a minute 30 left, and it's just like, right, pack her up, boys. The Grizzlies are cooked. And that was it. Sometimes you just go, well, there's not a giant amount more we can do. Because the Grizzlies just, look, without Jama Ran out there, with Dylan Brooks going, oh, I could do it all myself, and everyone going, Dylan, don't do it all yourself. Even though he hit seven threes, still sucked. Either way, without Jama Ran out there to create, uh, it was just that step too far. And the Grizzlies, I think they scored 10 points over the last eight minutes of this game. And bye-bye, Grizz. It was so much fun. They were awesome. 30 for Brooks in there, 7 of 15 from downtown, but he went 11 of 28 overall. Gross. Uh, Desmond Bain goes 4 of 7 from 3. Yeah, 25. Triple J, Tyus Jones, Brandon Clark, though. This was the thing. Triple J goes 5 of 19. Tyus Jones, Tyus Jones, 12 of 12. Uh, 2 of 12. Brandon Clark, 2 of 10. And uh, you can't do that against the Warriors, and especially without Ja Morant, right? Like, you can't have, essentially, three of your other more important dudes barely hitting a shot. And... The Warriors, meanwhile, Steph, yeah, what, 6 of 17 from downtown? He had 29. Clay goes 8 of 14 from deep. He had 30. And this is it. It's Game 6 Clay. Like, you can't fuck with Game 6 Clay. Game 6 Clay is here to stay, and you love to see it because he just. It's just such a nice feeling to have Game 6 Clay back in our life, right? Like, after, what, three years? He's back. You love it. Anyway, what a great game. Uh, 22 rebounds for Kevin Looney, 11 offensive, 11 defensive. That was really, really pivotal in this game as well because you had big Stephen Adamsbury. Oh, sweet as. Got to score some buckets, eh? And 11, and, uh, 11 rebounds also for Wiggins. So they sort of somehow negated the uh, Stephen Adams Triple J size advantage. They start Looney instead of uh, come bucket Jonathan Kaminga. And it works. 14 points, 15 rebounds, and 8 assists for Draymond. Poole struggled shooting. He went 4 15. He had 12 points, but didn't matter with Clay and Steph barely missing. So a huge win for the Warriors. Through to their first conference final since 2019. You love to see it. And then we didn't have any basketball on Sunday. Was that nice? Well, it was nice for everybody else, I assume. It wasn't great for me because uh, there was a party across the road from our house. That literally went till 7 a.m. until I'm just like, right, I'm going to go kick in a door. <laughs> like, what the fuck? 
And the music just never stopped. The cops had been called. I'd gone over to have words. Old mate had gone to have words. There's nothing going. And uh, so I got no sleep, which was great. Nothing quite like drinking a million beers, hanging out, and then uh, being rudely woken again after you sort of, you know, have that sort of booze-induced sleep. You wake back up and then... For the next four and a half fucking hours. Anyway. Still, I survived. <laughs> Just... I didn't throw anything through anybody's windows. That's that's a good thing for me. So, anyway, and then today's games. What a pair of games. Bucks 81, Celtics 109. Oh, boy. That's right. The Boston Celtics. Unbelievable. So, I'd picked uh, the Celtics to win game six, but then to drop game seven at home just because it's just going to be that tough to get over the Bucks two times in a row or essentially three times in a row because they basically won game five until they didn't right at the end. Um, and this game today, Boston-Milwaukee. Milwaukee, it's our Gonquin for the good land. Not today, though. Yeah, Giroux doing insane shit. Giannis looking awesome. Blopez was just doing work as the big man. And the Bucks had control of this game. They're up nine early. They were attacking. They were finding the shooters. And then the game got away from them. It was so weird because right at the end of the first quarter, I think Bobby Portis had an offensive foul. And he ends up in, you know, sort of low-level foul trouble for a lot of the game. And then the threes for the Celtics just start falling. Pritchard gets his first to go. The Bucks are still up six after the first quarter. But the key to this game, it's a game seven. You're in Boston. You're at home. They made it a rock fight. And only one of the teams was throwing rocks. like, And that was the Bucks, Because the Celtics are like, we'll make it a rock fight. But then we'll just hit all of our threes. <laughs> it was fucking crazy. Because like, the Bucks were still up six or a chunk of the second quarter. Grant Williams then just goes, look, I'm feeling okay. I'm all right. Tatum had already hit a couple of threes. Then he starts smoking more of them. And the sort of key aspect of this on top of the threes suddenly starting to drop for the Celtics, is that the Celtics just gummed up everything that Milwaukee wanted to do, right? Like, suddenly Giannis drives were getting stopped just that little bit further out in the paint, making him stop, pick up his dribble. He wasn't getting right to the cup. And even when he did, like, he had to go that little bit further around dudes. And, like, this is, like, it reminds me... A lot of the Giannis stuff today reminded me of, I think it was Game 2, Grizzlies... Warriors, where Ja Morant goes for the layup, but Clay has just pushed him far enough off his line that it's really hard to get the layup to go. It felt like about eight of Giannis's shots were like that today. The Celtics just, they looked at the geometry of the floor and went, right, if he hits these specific points in the paint, we can't stop him. So if we stop him a little bit further out, he has to take a wider angle, and it's going to make it a lot harder. And so suddenly these Giannis drives end up not equaling easy buckets everything slows down and like you look at the second quarter you're like holy shit we're up to like 30 points just for both teams (laughs) this is a rock fight and the bucks kind of just went into a bit of a lackadaisical kind of offensive mode where it's like oh this shot's good enough they launch a three clank they throw it around there's go this is good enough clank and they just ground to a halt meanwhile the celtics were still driving there was a couple of jalen brown drives in there tatum they were picking up fouls, 
And it was telling because like Tatum and Brown were both cooking. Bucks were in foul trouble, and that's where the game just pivoted. Like it just became the Celtics. As soon as it slowed down, the Celtics feeling it on threes after game six where they were super fucking hot in Milwaukee, they just kept mashing them. And everyone felt bigger than the last. I think there was a moment in that second quarter. They were 7 of 17 from downtown. The Bucks were 3 of 15. And then there's a Williams 3 and then a Tatum 3. And they go back and forth kind of the rest of the half. And my favorite thing watching this and like messaging with my Boston buddies and just the like reoccurring theme was Grant Williams is open and he's shooting. He's just going to keep shooting. That's the way to do it, Grant. The Grant Williams, who has failed in this series, is the tentative Grant Williams. The the Grant Williams who misses three shots and goes, right, I'm not shooting again tonight. Fuck it. He's like the opposite of Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks shoots three times, misses all of them. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to shoot 23 more times. We'll see what goes in. You can't play scared. You can't play scared. And Grant Williams did not play Scared. He hit a three just before the end of the half. And then Marcus Smart, that that three that Williams hit actually gave them the lead. And then Smart gets some bullshit free throws just before the first, literally with barely a second left, draws a shooting foul on a three. Amazing. And the Celtics somehow led by five going into the half. And then the floodgates. That's right, the floodgates. They opened. And when they did... They never got put back anywhere close to being closed, right? Because I think the Celtics open up the second half on a five-zip run, and you turn around and go, fuck, it's a 10-point game. And the Celtics are at home. Oh, God, it's going to take like a uh, gargantuan effort from the Bucks to do this. And like Drew Holiday answered, I think, those that five-zip run with a layup. And then Tatum answers that with a three. And you're like, oh, God, the Celtics are now in control. They wrested control of the game back. And as the third quarter progresses, Grant Williams just gets hotter and hotter and hotter, mashes in a couple of threes. They're up 16, the Celtics, out of nowhere, and it's absolutely just bedlam in Boston. It got crazier, though, because in the fourth quarter, Grant Williams hits his seventh three, puts him back up 16, and the turning point was essentially around the nine-minute mark of that fourth quarter where it's like, oh, shit, yeah, this might be over. Peyton Pritchard smokes his first three, there's a timeout. There's an offensive foul by the Bucks. I think it was on Lopez. Peyton goes back, smokes another three, and does the old, that's what I do! That's what I do! As he runs back up. They're up 19. Then he hits another one later. It's six and a half minutes to go. They're up 21 points. Grant Williams blocks the shit out of Bobby Portis. And that's all she wrote. That was literally the game. Like, there was no chance they could fight back into it at that point. And it was just, again, one of those really telling moments where you go, yeah, Chris Middleton missing. As many times as you want to talk about it in this series, it's still probably going to be underplayed because he was so, so important to their run last year. And the fact that they even really got to seven games in this without him is pretty impressive. But really, in that fourth quarter, like Giannis goes one of seven and... It just got harder and harder and harder for him to do anything. And essentially, we got to the point where it's like, all right, pack her up. We're literally game seven. It's done. There's two minutes left. 
I think we're all all over, boys. Peyton Pritchard going just absolutely ham and having 11 points in the fourth quarter, though, remains one of the great moments of uh, this playoff run. Like, Because even Tatum and Brown didn't have to do too much in the fourth quarter. It was the other dudes. And between Grant Williams, between Peyton Pritchard, and like Marcus Smart hitting a three as well. You're like, yep, cool. That's it. We'll back her up. And Giannis ends up with 25 points for the entire game. Shoots 10 of 26. You're like, yep, he probably could have shot, shot more. He goes one of four from downtown. But the problem was the free throw attempts. Seriously, he only went to the line six times. And it just, they couldn't really get any flow happening whatsoever. So he ends up with 25 points, 20 rebounds, and nine assists. And it felt like he was played out of the game, right? 21 for Drew on 21 shots. Blopez had 15 and 10. Porter's 10 and 6. But the problem was... I mentioned the three-point shooting. How's this? Grayson Allen, 0 of, 7, 0 of 6 from the floor, 0 of 4 from downtown. Paddy Connaughton, 0 of 5 from downtown, 1 of 6 overall. Wes Matthews, 0 of 3 from deep, 1 of 5 overall. So, Drew Holiday also chucked in 0 of 6 from 3 to go with his 8 assists and 21 points, right? If you want to add that up, Drew, Grayson, Paddy C, and Wes Matthews combined to go 0 of 18 from downtown. You add in Giannis, that's 1 of 22. You add in Blopez, it's 2 of 28. They end up 4 of 33 overall from downtown the Bucks, while the Celtics literally hit a record 22 of 55 from downtown. The most in franchise history, the most ever in a game seven. That's your story. Four threes to 22. Pritchard himself. Hit as many threes as the entire box. Grant Williams goes for 7 of 18 from downtown. He ends up with 27. The game of his life. The most he's ever scored for the Bucks, ah, for the Celtics. Playoffs all regular season. Tatum goes for 23, 6 and 8. 7 turnovers. But that's right. 5 of 9 from 3. Shot the shit out of it. Jalen Brown. 19 points. 8 boards. 8 of 16 shooting. It's just the sheer efficiency of Boston was fucking staggering. 6, 10, and 6 for Al. 11, 7, and 10 for Marcus. Smart despite 1 of 6 from 3. Pritchard, 17 minutes, 14 points, 11 in the fourth quarter. Kicked the doors down. Derek, like The fact that they did this while Derek White went 1 of 10 is amazing. Either way, Boston win. 4-3. Absolutely insane. And it felt so weird that Milwaukee stole game five out of nowhere by going six to six from three in the fourth quarter, right? And then literally couldn't buy a three the rest of the series. Seriously, four of 33 in game seven and seven to 29 in game six. That is just absolutely chaos. But that's just it. Boston, this is why you want a home game seven. Milwaukee rested their dudes Gave up their chance of the two seed. Boston win through. They have home court. They're the two seed. We're going back to Boston. We're shipping up to Boston for game seven. And guess what? The role players stepped the fuck up and hit a million threes in year one. Where is the Bucks? None of their role players essentially rocked up for either of the last two games. So a bit of a tough one. And then the last game of the second round, Dallas kicked the absolute bejesus fuck 
out of the Phoenix Suns. The 64-win Phoenix Suns, 123-90. to And that feels nice because it was mostly over 40 from about halfway through the third quarter. <laughs> like, what a game this was. Out of the gate, Dallas were flying. Because of Luke Doncic hit a couple of threes off. He went. Luca and Spencer went absolutely ham. And the Suns could not do anything. Like, it was absolute chaos in that first half uh, for the Dallas Mavericks fans. Because they're just like, what is going on? Off their absolute chops. They, like, I remember, like, they were basically had held the Suns to about 12 points for a lot of the first quarter. And they get a couple of buckets. I think they end up scoring 17 points in the first. And you're like, that doesn't seem like much. And then halfway through the second quarter, you're like, hang on a second. They've still only got like 25 points. <laughs> like, what is... Hang on. Holy shit. Because in the second quarter, the second quarter, the Phoenix Suns scored tw- and 10 points. 10 points. They went 4 of 18, 0 of 6 from 3 in the second quarter. And you turn around... And they're down 30. They had 27 points in the first half. Luca had 27 points in the first half. Like, that is absolute fucking chaos. 27 for Luca, 27 for the Suns. The thing is, <laughs> the other Mavs scored 30. Dinwiddie had 21 in the first half. And they're up by 30 at the half. It was the worst half for the Suns all year. It was their worst shooting percentage all year. I think they shot 24% from the floor in the first half of their 27 points. 10 of 41, 3 of 14 from downtown. Unfucking believable Like, the fact that, I think at the, the craziest part was just the sheer symmetry of the Suns' scorecard at halftime had Chris Paul with one point. Devin Booker with two points, DeAndre Ayton with three points, Michael Bridges with four points, and Jay Crowder with five points. That is in one, two, three, four, five. What? That is incredible. Booker and Paul were over 11 combined, and it was just gross. Charles Barkley was literally speechless at halftime. He's like, I, I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, no one does. And then to stop any chance of a comeback, Dallas ripped off like an eight-zip run at the start of the third quarter and never let the Suns run happen. Because there's always going to be a run where they get it maybe down to 18. Nope. They just put their foot on their throats and never let up. Because Jalen Brunson got cooking. Uh, He had 12 points in the third quarter. And it was like, yeah, cool. Let's go Brunson. He was just knocking in everything. Uh, He'd been pretty quiet in the first half. And then he just... Went, cool, third quarter, I'm going to put the boot in. Fourth quarter, going to keep doing it. We're going to fucking smash them. And they did. That was it. Seriously, every chance they got, Dallas took it. Wide open corner threes. Dinwiddie pulling up in transition. Dinwiddie just like eyeing off. Dude's going, don't care. Luca just going, cool, I've got DeAndre Ayton on me. Watch this step back three in your face. Boom. But it was pretty cool. Like CP3 didn't hit a field goal until midway through the third and Book was even later. And by the time they did, it was too late. Like, the game was over. So every chance they got, Dallas just put the boot in and reveled in it. And it was very... Like, even Marquise Chris hit a three on their heads later. 
And the sun just fell apart in probably one of the most astonishing fashions you'll ever see. Like, this was just... Talk about laying an egg. This is like laying an egg that's full of shit. Like, it was unfucking believable how bad they were in this game. And just how good Dallas and specifically Luca, Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson were. Like, absolutely astonishing stuff. And hilarious stuff as well. So, look, the Suns, 11 points on 3 of 14 shooting for Devin Booker. They threw a shit ton of double teams at him early. And, gee, I don't know. Maybe he should practice them. (laughs) Hey, man, we're just getting a bit of a run in. I don't want to see double teams in summer. Well, maybe you'll see them in Game 7 of a second-round series. Devin! Anyway, 0-4 from downtown. CP3, 10 points on 8 shots. Aiton, five points, two of five shooting. Bridges, six points. Oh, but Michael Bridges comes through big time because you know what he shot. So there you go. He goes 311 does Michael Bridges, and there's absolutely nothing else. Cam Johnson, 12 points, but that was all too late. The Mavs, meanwhile, Luca at 35, Brunson 24, Dinwiddie 30. They needed it too. Like, that was the craziest part. Like, Luca and Dinwiddie just going absolutely ham in the first half. No one else was actually doing much for the Mavs. Like, that was the craziest sort of aspect of it. They'd found Dwight Powell for a couple of nifty little buckets here and there. Brunson had only hit the one sort of shot. So it was like 27 for Luca at the half versus the Suns 27. 21 for Dinwiddie. And, what, three for Max Clearbar. Dorian Finney-Smith had two free throws. Dwight Powell, two points. Brunson, two points. That was it. Bullock had missed all of his shots and had a couple of turnovers. And you're like, oh, that's not good. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it was crazy. Like, Finney-Smith ends at one of four. Bullock, one of four. Bertans, Davis Bertans. Absolutely unconscionable just shooting. Oh, three from him. Uh, but, I mean, Powell, Kleber, and Greeny got in there and hit a couple of shots. But this was definitely the Luca Brunson, and Dinwiddie show. Like, Dinwiddie going 5 or 7 from 3, 30 points, 11 of 15 shooting. There was one moment where he just sort of went around Michael Bridges, took the perfect lane on him, and just like laid up a beautiful, beautiful sort of backspin layup in where it felt like there was no room, and he just did it. Luca was doing the same thing, 35, 10, and 4 with a couple of steals. He shot 12 of 19, 6 of 11 on threes, and then Brunson, as mentioned, he only had two points in the first half. And then just laid the boot in. 12 in the third quarter, 10 in the fourth quarter, and just brought them home in amazing fashion. 24 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. He shot 11 of 19. And the Mavs. The Mavs! Your Dallas Mavericks win the series 4-3 after being down 0-2. Unbelievable. Absolutely remarkable completely stunning shit. So, with that in mind, let's do a quick weekend winners and losers. Oh my god. I won! I won! Ah! (laughs) Recapping our day's top story, the winner of today's state lottery is... Me! Cam Brockman, that's right. You got a photo of me. The winners this weekend, the Warriors, obviously, because they win through. They win in game six. They get an extra couple days of rest. Uh, also, I think they would have fucking hated the Suns matchup. And the Warriors are going to be a little bit more comfortable against the Mavs, right? Like, even if, like, the uh, 
in-season matchups were kind of like a little bit funky, a little bit wonky. The Warriors are still going to look at the Mavs and go, I think we can have a better series than we would have against the Suns. So, especially defensively, especially with their guards, especially who the Warriors rely on, Steph, Clay, etc. So, uh, either way, massive weekend winners of the Warriors because they're back to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2019. You'd love to see that. And another weekend winner is Game 6, Clay. It's absolutely unstoppable. Seriously, Game 6, Clay is basically MJ wrapped in Dr. J's body. Like, we should have, like, songs written about Game 6, Clay. Odes. He had 38 with three blocks, hit eight threes in that game. But it's like the man, the myth, the legend. It's Clay Thompson. He is absolutely insane. You love to see it. Headband, Clay. Game 6, Clay. Gimme some Game 6, Clay. All he does is kick ass and take names. Like, since 2016, he, like, is averaging, he's shooting 54% from three in Game 6s. And all he's out there doing is, like, dropping insane, insane numbers. Like, against Memphis in 2015, 20 points. Against OKC, the famous game, 41. 35 against Houston in 18. 27 in 19 against Houston, and then 30 against Memphis the other day. Game 6, Clay. Weekend winner. The Grizzlies! Ah, but Jimmy, they lost. Yes. But what a year. Because the Grizzlies just had, like, the perfect we're fucking here year, you know? They're super fun. Everybody knows who the fuck Jar Morant is. And they are a legit problem for everybody else from now on, right? The fact that they still took the Warriors to six without Jar, all the things they did without Jar all season, they're weekend winners because they played with such joy, such just sheer rambunctious energy that it was infectious. In the middle of a pandemic, not a great idea, but still, they were a delight. Everybody except for Dylan Brooks. The Grizzlies, you love to see it. It's awesome. Weekend winners, even though they lost. The Celtics are obviously weekend winners. They won. But also, I talked about this, I think, on Thursday, uh, after they won, after they lost game five. And you're just like, Jesus, that's a rip-your-heart-out loss. And I'm like, yeah, look, are they cooked? I think it still landed on nah. Because them winning both game six and seven after basically winning game five, it felt wildly, wildly, wildly improbable, but still not quite impossible. Because you felt that they could pick and pick off a game six win in Milwaukee if they could, if they needed to, and they did. And then you come home, and who knows what can happen? Boom. Guess what? They did the damn thing. 22 threes. Amazing shit. Most all-time in a Game 7. I mean, that's a hell of a way to sort of send it off, right? You know? Most in a playoff game in Celtics history. Sure, it took them seven games to beat a team without its second-best player. But the Bucks aren't a normal team without their second-best player because they've still got Drew Holiday. They've still got fucking Giannis, the best player in the world. And the Celtics to come out of that with a win. But also, I feel like to really have uh, cemented themselves as a legit concern. A legit concern, right? Like, Jason Tatum is a legit, forever and ever, right now, top 10 dude, top 7 dude. He's in that convo. you got to talk about him. 
And that game six was fucking insane. So he's another weekend winner because Tatum just literally went, right, cool. So I went toe-to-toe with KD. I beat him. I struggled to the first half of this series. Wes Matthews was ruining my shit, but then I went toe-to-toe with Giannis and I beat him. Now all I got to do is beat Jimmy Butler and I'm in the finals. <laughs> so I'm just saying, but he's a weekend winner for now. Grant Williams, he's a weekend winner. What a return to form for him. Dude couldn't buy a bucket. And then unbelievable scenes in Game 7. What a step-up moment. Peyton Pritchard is a folk hero in Boston. He's a weekend winner now. That's what I do. That's what I do. Yeah, you don't have to buy a beer in Boston. Uh, Luca is a weekend winner. He's got... I love that he's now already hit that point where he's like, all right, can't get out of the first round guy. He's gone and moved beyond can't get out of the first round guy to Western Conference finalist. That's a big step. It's another stake in the ground of superstar and all-timer and like non-negotiable, absolute fucking badass. Like you made a conference finals. Like you've got to do it if you're a superstar and now he has. But probably more importantly, he has at least equaled what Trey Young has already done. <laughs> so I reckon Luke would be like, fuck yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, the Mavs, obviously, weekend winners. What a display. Seriously, holy shit. What a demolition job in that game seven. That was incredible. And if they can keep up that crazy, weird malleability we've seen over the last five games, who fucking knows what happens in the Western Conference Finals, you know? But for me, after those first two games, to then go 4-1 and one against the best team in the NBA after laying giant fucking eggs in games one and two, looking completely cooked, looking like a staid, boring offense where it's just Luka trying to like create something from nothing, to what we saw over the last five games, that is a fucking transformation for the ages. And they are incredible. And a worthy Western Conference finalist. Love it! I love that we get Warriors Mavs! Anyway, I'll talk about that in a second. The Sixers! But Jimmy, they lost last week. Yes, they're weekend winners because everyone's forgotten about that. They got knocked out so long ago that everyone's forgotten how fucking bad they were. <laughs> like, everybody now gets to pivot from the Sixers sucking to going, what the fuck happened to Chris Paul and the Suns? (laughs) Philly just like, oh God, thank Christ that happened. And of course, the last weekend win is us. I love it. We've got two amazing conference final matchups. You've got Heat Celtics, a storied rivalry from the LeBron, KG, Paul Pierce years, on and on and on. But also, you've got the We Believe rematch. I love a good We Believe rematch. Mavs, Warriors, awesome shit. But the craziest part is, we also get our fifth straight different champion. So we've gone from Warriors to the Raptors, to the Lakers to the Bucks. And now it's going to be Miami or Boston or Dallas or Golden State. And the craziest part is, everyone's pointing out this is the first time it's happened since seventy through uh, 77 through 1981, right? Portland, Washington, Seattle, Lakers, Celtics. So, happy times for some new fan base, basically. Pretty good. Right, what about weekend losers? We're not losers! No, you two are winners. Big winners. When I grow up, I want to marry a big winner like you guys. Shut up! Loser. 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 the Bucks. Ah, oh, jeez. Look, without Middleton, it was always going to be an uphill battle. But to be up 3-2 after stealing Game 5, to get run over as badly as they did in Game 6, 
at home. You can kind of forgive it without Middleton there. But then the game seven, just how it got away from them and not being able to buy a shot. And for Buds to stick with Grayson Allen despite everything. Oof. You'll take a bit of an outlook. They went out fighting. Giannis played his heart out. Just without Middleton, it's just that step too far. And you hate ever having to talk about injuries, but you sort of saw a couple of big ones impacting a series this uh, playoffs, right? Between Jar over there from Memphis, Middleton in this one. Even Big Booty Kyle Lowry basically submarining a bunch of uh, the Heat's games. But the Sixers also just like Embiid being all banged up and stuff. Yeah, injuries suck. We know that. But I think it also, the Bucks come out of this as just going, oh, shit, we we kind of uh, fucked up here with the Serge Ibaka instead of, oh, we'll get George Hill. We don't need Dante DiVincenzo. Eh, Serge Ibaka's cooked and didn't play. Dante DiVincenzo, just as a heat check dude off the bench, could have helped. Men's, you wouldn't have had to rely so much on Grayson Allen because he was fucking horrible the last two games. Where's Matthews? It was a little bit too much asked for him to like do both ends. Like He did such a bang-up job on D. Then on O, a bit tough. And Blopez with a clearly sort of impinged back. Like Without his shooting... The Bucs just get that much easier to defend. Like, even though he was, like, you know, pretty good inside at times, it's his sort of threat to just knock in a couple of threes every game that it just completely disappeared these playoffs that just sucked. So, tough one. Obviously, George Hill, like, if anyone's watched him play the last couple of years, he's fucked. Um, but the Bucs, look, they went out tough. They played tough. But without Middleton and without sort of that extra one dude, that one swing dude that you can sort of throw in there, just didn't have enough. So tough one. And the Suns, obviously, weekend losers because, oh, boy, what a loser way to go out that was. I'll tell you who's another big loser. The orange fucking Suns guy. I love orange Suns guy. Well, I've got my orange suit. I've got my orange hat. I've got my orange sunnies. I've got my orange T-shirt. I'm painted orange, and I've got an orange beard. I feel so bad for that guy in the third quarter. At halftime as well, like, you're still kind of like, at halftime, you're like, we're down 30. Look, we can outscore a team by 20 and a quarter. We can get this back to double fig. No. Mavs came out, kicked the shit out of them. And, like, Orange Suns guy's just going to go, I fucking did all this for this? Jesus. And I'm still ginger? I can say that. I'm ginger. But, God damn. Tough one. But, uh, either way, the Suns, I mean, from what we witnessed all season, that they were tough, resilient, they always just fought and fought and fought. For it to completely fall apart is just embarrassing. And, like, speaking of missing one guy with the Bucks, like, what an absolutely horrible time for literally everybody, everybody on the Suns to go completely MIA. Aiton going completely MIA. Like, there was a point where we're sort of sitting there going, well, the DeAndre Aiton pick over Luca wasn't too bad. We get it. You know, defensive anchor, can do a little bit of an offense. He's the perfect dude for the Suns. Monty Williams also fucking sat him because he was being a dick. And off we go. Payne and Sham Wow were atrocious. And, like, between Chris Paul and Devin Booker, like, that should be your answer to Luca and Brunson or Luca and Dinwiddie. And they just didn't have it. Bridges needed to step up offensively. Never did. Shot 311. Hey! What are you all going to play it again? Fuck it, let's go! Chill. Right on the side as the eagle becomes... Woo! 
yeah, I don't know how many times I'm going to get to play it the rest of the season, so I'm going to get as many as I can. Um, but now they've got to des- like really actually make a decision on uh, – they've got to make the decision on Aiton and figure out if they're going to keep him or not, and they've got to figure out more shooting. They thought Sham Wow would come in and help out with that, completely ignoring everybody else's experiences with bringing in Landry, Sham Wow, Shamit. And going, oh, it's a big spot. Hey, Landry, you're going to step up. And him going, oh, probably not. Just so you know. <laughs> like, campaign, Cam Johnson, the cams were a bit rough. All oh, playoffs. And the Suns are going to look at this going, right, we've got a 37-year-old Chris Paul. He's got a shit ton of money and a few more years left on this contract. What are we going to do? Do we run it back? Do we bring back Aiton? How much are we going to pay for this? Oh, God. Tough spot. But from where the Suns were, like this is probably the toughest thing and this is why they're massive weekend losers. They're just looking at this going, oh, shit, we were flying a week ago. And now, question marks everywhere. Chris Paul's obviously a weekend loser. He's 37, finished today with a plus minus of negative 39, the worst in his entire career, regular season or playoffs. That's incredible. And uh, look, as somebody who's already turned 37, I can uh, appreciate what happened to Chris Paul. Literally, he turned 37, and in the five games since, he had 27 assists, 22 turnovers, 20 fouls, and only 17 buckets. Seriously. But I kind of just look at this for Chris Paul and just think, well, this is probably makes the finals last year, run into an absolute fucking paper shredder of a uh, Bucks team. This is just a huge missed opportunity for Chris Paul to win a chip, right? Like, this is also the dude to ever blow 5-2 zip uh, leads in a best-of-seven series. He's done, it, he's done it against the Mavs this year, did it against the Bucks in the last finals, did it against the Blazers in 16, against the Grizzlies in 13, against the Spurs in 08. The craziest part is he's the only player to blow 5-2 zip leads. He's the only player to blow 4-2 zip leads as well, but... More than anything for me, it just becomes the big question mark of when when does Chris Paul get back? Does he get back here next year? Does he make another finals? After winning 64 games this season, could have easily been more, seem like there's no sort of injury excuse this year unless there's something that we just don't know about because the sheer drop-off for Chris Paul in this series is fucking staggering, isn't it? But either way... Uh, and there you go. There's a quick bunch of losers. Uh, let's do some NBA Australia pre performances of the nights, of the weekend at least, whatever. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. All right, we've got a few here. Giannis versus Tatum in game six. That was just a pair of fucking amazing knife performances. It was literally a knife fight between Giannis and Tatum. 44 20 and 6 for Giannis, 46 9 and 4 for Tatum. Just. A pair of absolute fucking just jaw-dropping games. But Tatum doing a 46-9-4 and in Game 6, facing elimination on the road, and just, like, putting them over the top was absolutely astounding. What do you have, 16 of their... It's 16 in the fourth quarter, I think. They had 26 in the fourth. He had 16 of them. Uh, Grant Williams today, the first time he's ever led the Celtics in scoring, and <laughs> he just goes out... Drops in a million threes, seven of 18 from downtown. Just what a display by Grant Williams. Like six rebounds, 10 to 22 shooting, six rebounds, a couple of blocks. The block that he had on Portis was incredible. And look, all the Boston faithful were just sitting there going, yes, 
What a time for him to show up. Incredible scenes. And then, of course, today, Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie, 27 first-half points for Luca. The way he came out, the intent with which he came out with was absolutely perfect and the exact opposite of the Suns. It's like the Suns weren't ready. This, I think I tweeted out, the Suns are playing like they've just found out that the family dog has to be put down. Like they were playing tentative. They were playing scared. They were playing messy. The horrible turnovers, the really lazy passes, the, just the lack of focus. And Luca took full advantage. The smiling assassin. How fucking good was it that he's smiling and laughing after every made shot? It was just such a great cherry on top for an amazing performance for Luca that there was just such joy in that performance by him. I loved every second of it. 35, 10, and 4 with a couple of steals. One of his best shooting nights you'll see. 12 and 19, 6 of 11 from downtown. What a game. And of course, Spencer. Absolutely incredible. The second most points off the bench in a game seven ever. Behind Eddie Johnson's 34, he had 30. That's for 11 to 15 from the floor, 5 or 7 from downtown. I absolutely loved it. But you add those two together, like Spencer Dinwiddie just stepped up exactly at the right time. Look, I'm one of the first to bemoan Spencer Dinwiddie in a big situation. Just go, Spencer, we need you. Oh, where? 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 Oh, nah, I'm good, bro. Takes it all in stride, just goes right. Same as Grant Williams. Cops a bit of shit here on NBA Australia. Comes out and just goes, hey, Jimmy, watch me in game seven, fuckhead. Boom! <laughs> it was awesome. So Luca and Spencer, they just became the first pair of teammates to have 30 in a game seven since Kobe and Shaq in the O2 Conference uh, Finals against the Kings. And where do you reckon Spencer and Luca's game has to go? Because that was such an amazing beatdown. Where does Giannis and Tatum game six go? And where does Grant Williams knocking in seven threes along with Peyton Pritchard hitting four to knock off the box? Where do they all go? Where do they all go? This is going straight to the pool room. What an array of NBA Australia pre performances. You'll love to see it. Flip side, who is Spuds of the weekend? Spud, 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 the Bucks really just threw in like an all-time spud performance on the weekend. Like Memphis's was pretty good. Like Triple J going five and nineteen. Tyus Jones two of twelve, two of ten for Brandon Clark. Pretty rough, but that's not quite what the Bucks did in Game Seven. The Bucks in Game Seven, as I mentioned earlier, Grace Nellen zero of six from the floor, zero of four from three. Patty Connaughton zero of five from three, one of six from the floor, one of five for Wes Matthews, zero of three. Giroux. Giroux Holiday, 21 points on his 21 shots and just a brutal 0 of 6 from downtown. <coughs> Sorry, what did I say? That's uh, between Giroux, Grayson, Paddy Connaughton, Wes Matthews, 0 of 18 from downtown. It's just an exercise of futility that's crazy. And you add in Giannis is 1 of 4, it's 1 of 22. Lopez is 1 of 6, it's 2 of 28. 4 of 33 overall. But really... That's just window dressing to the absolute spud-worthy weekend 
of one of the most hated men in the NBA, Grayson Allen. Wow! He's going to the shitty Louvre with this spot of the night performance. In game six, he goes one of seven, and today, oh of six. Mike Bildenhose is like, nah, it's good, man. We'll just keep playing him. It's like, Mike, he's not a hitter shot since fucking March, bro. What are you doing? He's like, nah, I believe in him. Is it just because he looks like Coach K that you need to keep playing him so you don't get on Coach K's bad side, Mike? What the fuck? Absolute shit show from Grayson Allen. One of seven in game six. 0 of four from downtown. Today, 0 of four from downtown again. 0 of six from the floor. The crazy part was he had one go in. And it was negated by a foul. Hilarious. 1.3 rebounds in 22 minutes for the weekend. Grayson Allen goes 1 of 13. Just an absolute crucial cog of the Milwaukee Bucks rotation. In two elimination games, essentially, absolutely sputting it up. You've got to go to the shitty Louvre, Grayson Allen. Say good day to Dylan Brooks. All right. Old mate, no mates. Old oh, 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 mate, no mates. Oh, mate, no mates. Oh, mate, no mates. Who's got no mates today? Dylan Brooks. Uh, <laughs> still. Uh, it was great to see him playing Golden State one more time. Because, uh, uh, yeah, the booze cascading down as he continued to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot his team out of the game. Oh, but I hit seven threes. Yeah, but you also missed like 17 shots, my dude. Uh the whoop that trick, old mates from the Memphis uh, Grizzlies dumping on Steph after uh, game f- their game five demolition of the uh, Warriors, which is pretty funny. The Warriors fans then turned that around on Memphis. But there's an interesting old mate, no mates, I think, in uh, out of today. DeAndre Ayton. So after the game, uh, he played 17 minutes. He didn't even play in the fourth quarter, DeAndre. And Monty Williams was asked about it. He's like, uh, yeah, it's internal. Turns out, Monty was on the bench, and uh, he and DeAndre had to be separated by other coaches because I think Monty had asked him if he wanted to play anymore, and apparently DeAndre Ayton said, nope, I don't want to play. So Monty sat him for the rest of the game. Oh, DeAndre Ayton. I reckon he could be had for a bit of a price. <laughs> what do you reckon? Did DeAndre Ayton, Rudy Gobert swap? See what happens there. Just uh, make the Suns, fan even more, the Suns fans even more angry. But, yeah, that's a definite old mate, no mates vibe. And, of course, Chris Paul. Always going to be a bit of an old mate, no mates. Luca laughing at everything. And Chris Paul is going to be getting shat on for the rest of this offseason. Just, you, you keep losing playoff series after being up two zip. Guess what? You're going to cop a bit of heat. Chris Paul, old mate, no mates. Pantsing of the weekend. I mean, it was just the Suns, right? They got absolutely pants by the Mavs at home in a game seven. I absolutely adored just the sheer massive beatdown that the Mavs were putting on the Suns to the point where the Suns broadcast crew, because I'm watching this on game, um, what is it, on uh, League Pass, and because that way you actually get the Suns in arena feed as well rather than uh, on ESPN with the uh, ESPN ads. So you get the in arena feed, you're getting the uh, Suns fans... Halfway through the third quarter, you've got the Suns entertainment crew out there trying to hype up the crowd, and everybody's like, bro, we're down 40. Fuck off. (laughs) It was definitely... And then you have Orange Suit Guy. You've got all the Suns fans, and then 
My favorite was probably the celebrity row. Let's introduce all the famous people. And they were all sitting there literally on their phone, bored or drunk. Just like nailing beers just going, this fucking sucks and I can't leave yet because they've still got to do their uh, run by with the cameras to prove that I was here. <laughs> so that was a tough one. But the Suns, like that was the biggest collective dacking since the Ballarat High decking and uh, epidemic of 1997. I reckon that was probably the biggest one we copped. Everybody out there getting dacked. Oh, boy. Tough scenes there for the Suns. You better believe. That's a pantsum. Right. What about better than Lonzo Ball? <coughs> Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you don't get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros. Now I can be average. We're coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. I mean, well, Luca Vildoza got out there for the Bucks today. He played two minutes. He went one on one from the floor. He had two points, one rebound, and one assist. That actually technically makes Luca Vildoza better than Lonzo Ball because Lonzo has never played a playoff minute in his life. Uh, Thanasis, he had a rebound. Good on him. But, of course, this has probably got to go to the great white hope of Boston, right? Peyton Pritchard. He looks like every dude in every bar I've been into in Boston who sort of sits in the corner, a bit hunched over on the top of the bar, and the bartender looks sort of worrying at him all the time. And you're like, yeah, that's the guy you don't want to talk to because he's about, I don't know, his girlfriend's just broken up with him and he's going to definitely punch on with somebody. Just make sure it's not you kind of vibe. Uh, but Peyton Pritchard was amazing. <laughs> to be honest, that could be like like 80% of dudes I've met from Boston. But anyway, 14 points for Pritchard, 4 or 6 from downtown, 5 or 7 from, th- uh, from the floor, 3 assists, 5 rebounds, 0 turnovers, 0 fouls, played his ass off. In 17 minutes, he was a plus 14 and just literally burnt the house down. It was amazing. Peyton Pritchard, today, very easily better than Lonzo Ball. And finally, Dickhead of the Weekend. Dickhead of the Week! And uh, Dylan Brooks. Uh, They know we're going to come every single year. We're young and they're getting old. Dylan, come bucket and Moses Moody, Moses Moody, Moses Moody, even Andrew Wiggins. Like half of that Jordan Poole, half of that Warriors team is actually younger than you, you idiot. And uh, I don't know, Dylan Brooks shit-talking the Warriors after uh, losing to them in six. It's a lot of shit-talk for a bloke who just shot 31% for a series, right? Holy shit. Even Steph came out after and said, yeah, Dylan Brooks said a lot of crazy shit. He called himself a fucking dynasty already. It's like, shut up, Dylan. Good job, Steph. And that's um, uh, old mate, no mates again, as well as dickhead of the weekend. Right, let's do some uh, quick listener yeah-nahs and fly through the rest of the show. Get out of here, and uh, we'll do it right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey, guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And 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 you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, let's do some Yanaz. Brought to you by the NBA Australia Shop. Go get your merch, get your merch. 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 Get your merch. Yeah, listen to them. Uh, get your merch from the NBA Australia Shop over at nbaaustralia.com slash shop. Or just click on the links on the socials. Right, let's fly through these. Yanaz, listen to Yanaz. Matt Koss. Koss sent through this one on Saturday. I think Grizzlies winning the chip is the best thing for the NBA. Yeah, nah. I mean... 
Probably not. Not without Jar. <laughs> so I'm going to say nah. But I think, as I said earlier, I think the Grizzlies getting this far is the perfect setup for the Grizzlies for next year. This is the perfect we're fucking here year that lets everybody know that you're good, that you're young, and that you're awesome. And next year is when you really just lay the smackdown on set. Like, it's like the 14 Warriors, right? But you've actually got a good coach. So, uh, yeah, Grizzlies winning the chip would have been not the best thing for this year, but I reckon it could be next year. Dan Drusher, maybe Jason Kidd is a better coach than we give him credit for. Or he's just lucky that he's got Luka Doncic. Yeah, nah, uh, yeah to both. So, Jason Kidd, I've been on this since, like, uh, the start of the year. It's like, oh, shit, is Kidd going to last the year? And then it clicked. And the crazy part for me is that it's the exact same thing as Ime Udoka in Boston. And weirdly enough, they've both made a conference finals. Like, the defense that Kidd installed, and obviously just the defense and the toughness that Ime Udoka installed, it's just one of those things where it takes players a while to learn it. And in-game execution, just it takes a while for it to actually be executed properly, right? So it's going to look a bit funky as everybody gets up to speed and gets used to it. And then it does and it clicks in. And guess who have been two of the best teams since the start of the year? Oh, there you go. Jason Kidd and Amy Udoka's teams. So the thing I get from Kidd, though, is that... So he was a spud when he was in Milwaukee. His year in Brooklyn, which I witnessed, he had his hand forced with the uh, Brook Lopez injury to go small. They played their ass off. They were pretty good. And it felt like he'd grown a fair amount in that first year. He forces his way uh, to Milwaukee by going, you know, making his power play in Brooklyn, which fails. Off he goes. I don't know how he lost a power play to Billy King, by the the way. But anyway, uh, gets booted over to Milwaukee, takes that job. uh, Can't harness Giannis properly. And again, the defensive stuff's just never clicked. And I reckon it's clearly just like that that round of assistanting that he did and going to the Lakers and learning with Frank Vogel and that staff with LeBron and co. Like, it's pretty clearly a big confidence booster as well where he's just like, right, I've learned, I've gotten better. And they had Jason Kidd mic'd up today. And there was just an absolutely fucking stunning part after that first half where he is, so the Mavs are playing defense. He's essentially a sixth defender on the court running along the side of the court, yelling out defensive coverages. Like, as the ball spins around the fucking perimeter, kids yelling at the specific Mavs player where to go, just as he would have when he was a point guard on the Dallas Mavericks. And I think when you're allowed to do that, yeah, you could be a pretty good coach, and as long as people get used to it, like, the defense today was astounding. Like, there's... It's not... Like, Chris Paul and Devin Booker aren't going to go 0 of 11 in a half in a game 7 because they're wide fucking open, you know what I'm saying? But he was incredible. The def- the defense of the Mavs has just been flat out amazing. So, yeah, he's done a great job. And, yeah, other side as well, he is also lucky that he's got Luka because it just papers over a lot of other things on offense. And I think as I was bemoaning after games one and two, you can't just do the Luka-James Harden offense, right? You've got to move the ball early and quickly and the ball finds energy. And the Mavs were full of it over the last five games. And I think Luca and J-Kid did a great job. So good on them. 
Uh, Jez Oz sent in a uh, good one. Hopefully he gets better. I think uh, Jez Oz has got the cocoa. So look after yourself. Get onto the scotch. Watch a lot of telly. Uh, did Doc Rivers give Phoenix a pregame pep talk? Because this is an all-time greatest choke job of history. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. It is. Like, they're getting up there, right? Like, I don't think... Like, to be up two zip and blowing another two zip lead in a series after blowing it to the Bucks last year, like, it is edging up there, right? Like, I don't know if this is one of the greatest choke jobs in history because you're playing against Luca. You go up two zip. Like, 3-1 even, it just has a different vibe. But, holy shit, seriously. It is a massive choke job, a choke job because the way they got smoked in Game 7... After blowing the 2-0 lead, this might be the one of the single biggest pant-shitting moments we will ever see in the NBA. You're the number one overall seed. You've won 64 games. You've got the bloke who came fourth in the MVP voting. You've got Chris Paul, the point god. You've got a former number one pick manning the middle. You've got the coach of the year. And you get fucking belted. What an absolute pan shitting. That is an absolute classic as well. So Jez has hit something there. I can, yeah, it's very, like outside of a Doc Rivers team, this is going to be one of the biggest, biggest choke jobs ever. Holy shit. Yeah, good call. Uh, last one, Ben Devler. I already had a one like a version of this written down, but uh, <laughs> he uh, tweeted one through. Yeah, nah. NBA players need to stop banging Kardashians. Yeah, nah, yes. They really, really do, don't they? Literally, the path is strewn with bodies who have taken up the poison Kardashian chalice or poison Kardashian box. You know, whatever you want (laughs) to... Like, just, it is brutal. It's a litany of names. Chris Humphreys, Lamar Odom, Chandler Parsons, James Harden, Blake Griffin, Jordan Clarkson, Tristan Thompson, Ben Simmons, now Devin Booker. At some point, you just got to look at that list and go, nah, I'm good. (laughs) Like, no matter how good it might be, no matter how good you've heard it is to bang a Kardashian, no matter... It's not worth it. Do the math. It's over. Absolutely over. Like, none of these have ended well. <laughs> like, holy shit. Oh, God. Just stay away. Just stay away. Control yourself, man. Right. What about an unpopular opinion of the day? Now, look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Uh, look at me. Look at me. I don't actually like different champs winning every year. Like, I like that a new fan base every year gets a bit of a, uh, gets the NBA title. I love it. That's great for the fans. But it sucks for me because my dumb brain operates in chunks. Chunks of, like, years and parts of decades and stuff. And literally, I think the way I signpost most things is by NBA titles. And that's how I remember the past. Might seem weird, but it's true. Like, literally, it's way easier for my dumb brain if I can just go, right, early thousands. Oh, yeah, that's when the heat went back to back. And then mid-tens, that's when the Warriors took over. Early thousands, yeah, the Lakers were champs then. 
You know, that kind of vibe. Like, that's how I remember the 80s, the 90s, and the 1000s. Like, you go Celtics, 81, 84, 86. You got Lakers, uh, 80, 82, 85, 87, 88. The back-to-backs at the end. You got the Bad Boys back-to-back, 89, 90. You've obviously got the Bad Boys first three-peat. You've got the Rockets going back-to-back. You've got the second Bulls three-peat. You've got the Shaq Kobe three-peat. I think dynasties are great, or at least mini dynasties. I think back-to-back teams are awesome. Because it's signposts for me a moment in time that I can remember a little bit easier than like five different champions in five years. Because everybody also, when you win back-to-back, it means everybody's gunning for the champs. Like everyone was fucking gunning for Miami. Everybody was gunning for Golden State. Everybody was always gunning for the Bulls, the Lakers. And I've like getting back-to-back titles is obviously fucking awesome and super hard. The cool thing about back-to-backs as well is that you don't get bored of them. You know, there's no like three-peat, like three-peat, like I don't know if we're ever going to see another three-peat. It's just that fucking hard to win. But also, back-to-back titles means that you don't get bored of that specific team always winning. They've only won two. But it means that everybody's going that extra hard to get past that team. And I kind of love that. So, bit of a shame. But at the same time, we're going to have Miami, Boston, Dallas, or Golden State as a title winner again. It's crazy. Kind of cool. Because that's also like, you know, a bunch of teams who have won a title since 2008. So, anyway. What about Outback Takeout? Soldiers. It's Monday at Outback. And you know what that means? Well, I just beat the shit out of a roo. And uh, he had me for a bit there. Fucking jack little bugger. But I'll tell you what. Tasty as shit. Put him over a spit. Off you go. That's right. Spit roo. Only at Outback. And it goes great with today's full and great flame grill take, which is everybody's very clearly sleeping in the Miami heat. They've just sat at home the last four days watching the Bucks and Celtics kick the ever-living shit out of each other. Now they get to play a bedraggled Celtics team in game one at home? So, jeez. Heat and four. Only at Outback. I don't know if it's going to be heat and four. I'll tell you what, I'm taking the heat in game one. Right, Australian Player Watch, let's keep fanging through this because uh, we're getting late into this uh, episode. Greeny, still alive and got out there for five minutes today and it was awesome to see him hit a shot. Uh, it was his first shot that he's actually hit, I think, from the floor all series, <laughs> which is pretty crazy, but I'm also really happy that he got there. So Greeny goes one of one from the floor through his three points and you're like, yes, my boy. Greedy! I love you, buddy! Seriously, he didn't hit a shot. All conference semis. Finally gets one to go. It's amazing. I'm happy. Three points, and that's it. Uh, he had zeros the rest of the way in his five uh, minutes out there. So, But great job, Greeny. Love to see it. And, uh, yeah, kick some ass. Took some took some names. It was fun as hell. And uh, what else? So that's it. Let's do an Andrew Gay's Grand Mumber Award, because Greeny's our last man standing. I love that. Hopefully he gets out there again in the uh, conference finals. Andrew Gay's Grey Mumber Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence. It's the first the- Andrew Gay's Grey Mumber. Clap it up. All right. Uh, we've got two real quick ones. Giannis. First player ever with 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists in a single series. 200, 150. Fucking hell. Uh, but Luca, 
unbelievable. Again. So, Luca was down 2-3. And then he uh, says everyone's acting tough when they're up. Since then, he dropped 68 points, 21 rebounds, 12 assists, made 8 threes, and went 2-zip. The Mavs, specifically, the Luca special. Remember when uh, Devin Booker said that, the Luca special? The Mavs outscored the Suns by 57 points in the six quarters after that. And Luca became the second youngest player today in NBA postseason history. That's right. Second youngest player in playoff history with 35 points and 10 rebounds in a game seven. You know the last person to do that? Tommy fucking Heinsohn when he was 22. That's a really fucking long time ago. <laughs> so Luca. That's some uh, outstanding achievement in the field of excellence, isn't it? Holy shit. All right. With all that in mind, let's do a Patty Mills Game Day Baller Game Day Twitter check-in. And this one's pretty easy because it's just Greeny's IG where he's reposted the uh, conference finals advance the Mavs to the Western Conference finals. And uh, he also looked pretty good. Pretty schmick walking into the game. Looking more good to be back in Arizona because remember, that's where Greeny went to uh, college. So he had a great time, didn't he? Love it on you, Greeny. Right, let's do some previews and picks. Uh, some first blush previews and picks for the series and for uh, the game ones. Game previews. Game previews. Thanks for diverting, Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. How's it all going? Oh, yeah, not bad. After a uh, pretty fucking crazy Saturday where I got no sleep at night, but uh, otherwise, all good. The squid had a little bit of a... Uh, Bit of a chunder in his bed as well, and it's like, oh, God, it's all falling apart. But otherwise, all good here. So we went two of four on the picks over the weekend as well. Uh, nailed the Boston pick on Saturday. Missed out on Golden. Uh, missed out on Memphis. Uh, had the Bucks head-to-head today, and then uh, Dallas plus six and a half. So two of four, you'll take that. That leaves us at a uh, 35 of 71 so far for the playoffs. So just under... 50%. Got to make it back over the last uh, finals and the conference finals, don't we? So, first two games. Look, we'll do a big conference finals and game previews tomorrow uh, in a show. But So, first blush, Boston and Miami. Miami, one and a half point favorites. I'm just taking that because I think Boston have just played the C- the series from fucking hell. Uh, warm themselves out. Miami have just been kicking back at home, chilling. And Miami are at home for game one. I just think the Heat will probably have a little bit too much for them and just sneak out a Game 1 victory. I do think... So, for the actual series itself, the Celtics are one-and-a-half-point game favorites for the entire series. So, the 4-2 to two is the uh, odds-on outcome of 4-1. to one. So, they're pretty heavily favored, the Celtics. And the Heat best outcome at the moment is 4-3 Heat. That's $5.40. So, Celtics pretty heavily favored. We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. But at the moment... I kind of think uh, I think Boston can win the series. And I do kind of think that it's a 4-2. I just think they'll have a lot of answers for a lot of the Miami stuff, and they kind of match up pretty well. So give me Boston. Um, but at the moment, I'll take Miami for game one, and we might change that as of tomorrow. But at the moment, Boston-Miami, Miami one and a half favorites. And then Thursday, we've got Dallas to Golden State game one. The Warriors are five and a half point favorites for game one, which seems like a lot. And then you think about, like, Dallas, yeah, cool. They had to make a lot of adjustments all the way through the seven games against the Suns. Came out of it looking pretty great, kicking the shit out of them in Game 7. Meanwhile, the Warriors just sort of been chilling, 
They've just played the Grizzlies. Clay's back in form. Steph's filling it again. I think the Warriors have a bit of a statement game one and win that one as well. So I'll probably take the Warriors at the moment, minus five and a half. See how we go, though. I might change my mind tomorrow, but either way. And then for that series, Warriors are very heavy favorites. Dollar forty favorites for the series. Uh, same as the Celtics, one and a half game favorites for the series as well. So in six is the best uh, odds for the Warriors at the moment. So see how we go. Either way, we'll preview that all properly with the three big things, maybe even five big things uh, in tomorrow's show. So a big conference finals preview for you. All right, that's it for today. Sick. What a weekend. What a long, nice show this was. I enjoyed that. I had so much fucking fun watching these games. God damn, basketball is good, isn't it? Shit, yeah. Either way, so we'll be back tomorrow for a big conference finals preview for you. Hopefully with a guest. Just flagging that, just so you know. In the meantime, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Face the IG, roll over the socials, NFL Australia with myself and Gaz, chopping it up. That'll be popping off later this week. Uh, World Wrestling Australia with Adam, go check that out on YouTube. NBAAustralia.com slash shop, get your merch, get your merch. Chuck us a rating review on your podcast app. Go download the Noble app, bang in the code Australia, get 20% off that. Uh, big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song, but also Joshua De Laurentiis, Fascinated Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers. They're behind all the tunes you hear on the show. Give them all a smash on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify, however you listen to your tunes. Love it. Uh, NBA Australia supports Australian bands. That's what you should do as well. All right, we'll finish up with a really quick deli review. I love it. He's back. And we... We'll catch you tomorrow, you dickheads, for a big conference final preview show. You little ripper. All right, this is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And later, How the fuck are you? It's your mate Deli over here, just swinging by in the off-season, hanging out with a pop culture review for you. That's right, my mate Giddy. He's been back on a plane back to the US of A. He's been pretty busy in Australia, and he's like, Oh, Deli, can you do me a review on NBA Australia this week, bros? And I'm like, yeah, no fucking worries, mate. All I'm doing is just hanging out back home in Maribara. Just like going to see my mum and dad and shit, taking the squid round for a fucking couple of fangs down through High Street and shit. Me and Plugger just swing along through his, you know, lowered VL Commodore. The squid just like, Dad, do another fucking burnout in the Motor 10 car park, motherfucker. And I'm like, oh, I mean, technically you're right calling me a motherfucker, but shit, bro, you need to, like, watch your language, eh? Especially in front of my mum and dad. Fuck, I'll smack your hood in. Anyway, it's fucking good to be home. It's really uh, a bit sad that United got knocked out and shit, but, like, congrats to the Sydney Kings and shit, eh? Like, the Tassie Jack Jumpers, that was sick ass. What a great final series, man. Like, clap it up. Yeah, it was awesome, eh? But, yeah, so it was a bit weird to be at home watching it and shit because I was like, fuck, yeah, I'll come home, play in the NBA, we'll win the title, we fuck sick ass, and we don't make it. I'm a bit shitty, but, you know, she'll be right. I still reckon, though, if, like, my mates on the Bucks had me playing point guard, there's no fucking way they lose this series to, like, you know... Fucking Celtics and shit. Fucking Peyton Pritchard. Whatever. What can Peyton Pritchard do that I fucking can't? But anyway, look, what we've also been able to do is uh, finally catch up on all that winning time. That telly show about the Lakers and shit. Because, like, the missus, she's like, is this all fucking real, Deli? I'm like, I think so. Fuck yeah. Like, I don't know. I never played for the Lakers. That's their fucking loss, I reckon, because I would have fucking won the title this year. But either way, like, I had to jump on the old blower to my mate LeBron. 
I'm like, LeBron, is all this Lakers shit fucking true, man? He hasn't responded to me yet, but well, he probably will. Yeah, we're still mates. Anyway, uh, but yeah, we finally watched all the rest of it. Look, no spoilers or nothing, but look, I mean, we all know what actually happened that year, don't we? Like, if you remember back to 1980, the apocryphal stories and shit of Magic Johnson and Kareem. Yeah, I fucking know him. You probably know him as well. And it was great. I fucking love the telly show. Everybody's like, oh, it's a dramatization. Yeah, that's what telly is. It's not real life, you fucking idiots. It is a dramatization. Oh, Jerry West is a bit of a fucking psycho on the telly. Yeah, because it's a fucking telly show, man. What are you doing? Either way, I loved it. I watched all of them. John C. Riley is fucking awesome as Jerry Buss. And like everybody else is sick. The guy who played Karun, the guy who played Magic Johnson, the guy who's off his fucking chops with Spencer Haywood. Like, it was awesome, man. So look, no spoilers or nothing. It's just a great watch. We watched it, me and the missus and the squid. The squid's like, oh, look at them all doing the rooting. I'm like, oh, shouldn't have let him watch this. Fuck. Ah, well. Anyway, and the missus, she's just like full of questions. Like, who the fuck's this guy? I'm like, that's good. Oh, I reckon it's this guy. And she fucking loved it. She's like, oh, I love the drama. That's fucking sick. So, yeah. I reckon winning time, season one gets about 24 out of 10, maybe even 32. Same as Magic Johnson's number, eh? So, let's give it 32 out of 10 Delhi ones. Fucking loved it. It was sick. So, go watch it if you haven't watched it already. It's fucking sick. Oh, the old deli gives it the big thumbs up. So check it out. Wooden time. All right, that's it for this week. I might see you next week. We'll see how we go. All right, later fuckers. Deli out.